Here you go. Light cream, no sugar. That's perfect, thank you. Beverly, I have to say, it's so nice seeing the two of you get along. Oh, I've always gotten along with Leonard. Of all of my children, he's the most docile. <laughs> she wrote that in a birthday card once. I keep it in my nightstand. <laughs> Still, it made him so happy showing you around his lab yesterday. Interesting. Would you say that that made him uh, much happier than usual, somewhat happier than usual, or as happy as usual? Hmm, multiple choice. Um, I'm gonna go with D, that's a weird question. It made me really happy. We haven't always had the easiest relationship, but well, looking back, I guess you were just trying to push me to be the best version of myself. So you would say that my parenting strategies, although difficult at times, directly contributed to your current success? Well, I may have had a little something to do with it. I mean, how often do you wear your superhero underwear now? <laughs> only Fridays and yeah, my birthday. that was only me. That was me. Yeah, that's a fair point. I hadn't considered your influence. Perhaps tomorrow I could observe the two of you together. Uh, observe? <laughs> what is going on? No, I'm just visiting with my son and doing research for my book on how various parenting strategies affected my children as adults. This has all been work to you? Hanging out with me and coming to my lab? I thought we were enjoying each other's company, but it was just research. I was enjoying it. You know I love research. <laughs> I can't believe this. What? You seem angry. Of course I'm angry! So would you say that you're somewhat angry, very angry, or extremely angry? Never mind, I can see it in your face, dear. Well, I want to greet you in the strong and the powerful name of our Lord Jesus Christ. My name is Chris, and I get to be one of the pastors at the 8th Street Church. And I'm grateful to Pastor Hope and, uh, and her reading of the text from Mark chapter 1 for us today. Every good story takes us through the same plot line. It doesn't matter what kind of story it is. It could be a sitcom, a drama, a book series. It could be The Big Bang Theory or The Brady Bunch or Harry Potter or even Game of Thrones. But every plot line has a series of moves. You, you go through these moves. You have the normal world and then there are hints of trouble in the story. And then the trouble arrives. It comes on the scene reaching its climax. But then the world somehow seems to change. And usually by the end, we learn something new or we, we get help. This story that we have in the Gospel of Mark is no different. It follows the exa exact same pattern, the exact same plot line. And Mark introduces us to the world as it is. I call this the normal world. Well, in our Big Bang Theory clip, Leonard and Penny have enjoyed some time with Leonard's mother, Beverly. She comes for a visit, and while Leonard was at first dreading it, it became a very meaningful time to him. In our text, it was just a normal Sabbath day. First century Jewish people were doing the normal first century things. Get up, do your morning prayers, eat a kosher breakfast, head off to the synagogue for worship. Their people had done this for a thousand years. And on this Sabbath day... This is exactly what Jesus and his friends did as well. But in every good story, there is a hint of trouble. A hint of trouble is dropped in. Trouble look, lurks out there on the horizon, and you can see it here in the text. It's waiting. 
moving our way. Hints of trouble arrive in the Big Bang Theory clip that I showed when Leonard's mother Beverly starts asking questions of him like she's taking some sort of survey. Penny even says it, "Uh, that's weird. And evidence in this text gives us a hint that something might be ready to go down. We can see trouble hitting us in these words. The words are these, Jesus taught and the people were amazed. We might say, well, that's weird. I know that this is a hint of trouble because I've been in a lot of religious services and very rarely do people walk away from them amazed. In fact, there is so little amazement in worship that this has really gotten me wondering over the last week, do people come to worship expecting anything to happen? I've been asking myself lately, why do people come to church or even take time to watch online in the first place? Well, some want to connect with a higher power. Some just want to, uh, some just want to come because it's a place to get some rest. Some come to church to get help, food, a warm place to lie down, and maybe even take a nap. Some come for the coffee or the fellowship or to hear a word that will brighten their spirits and make their life just a little bit lighter. Some come to be with others who think just like them. Some come because they want good programming and ministry for their kids. Some come because it's friendly. Some come because of habit. And some come because guilt powers their car all the way up to the front steps. So I want to ask you this question. Why do you come to church? And do you expect anything to happen when you come? Take a moment, you might want to chat in the box to answer this question, but take a moment, chat with those who are with you, and we'll be back to talk about this in just a few minutes. So why do you come to church? What do you expect to happen when you come? Because I'm a pastor, people will come to see me from time to time. People come to their pastors for a variety of reasons. And it's always amazing to me what what people want to talk about when they come. Some come for advice, job advice, parenting advice, marriage advice, sex advice, and money advice. They come because they want help. They come because they want help with a decision, help with a chore, help with a project, help to mobilize volunteers for their initiative, help with a problem they have. And and there's nothing wrong with coming to your pastor for that, Uh, but to be honest, I I have very little to offer in terms of advice. So I direct a lot of people to hospitals, clinics, doctors, therapists, and teachers. I'm a pastor. 
And what that means is that my job really is this. I am to usher, in, I'm to usher people into an encounter with the divine. But the issue is I've, I've realized in recent, recent days that very, very few come expecting to have an encounter with God. But in this text, an encounter with the supernatural cannot be denied. In, in the Big Bang Theory clip, the trouble hits us immediately. Leonard's mother was just using him as research for her book, and the trouble in this text rushes in like a wave in the same kind of way. Pastor Jesus opens up the scroll, teaches from it as one who knows what he's talking about, and, and about that time, a man possessed by an evil spirit cries out, we know who you are. Why are you picking a fight with us? Couldn't you have just left us alone? But Jesus says sternly, be quiet, come out of him. And the evil spirit shook the man violently and then came out of the man with a shriek. It's a wild tale. Seems downright science fiction or something out of a Stephen King novel. We have images of the exorcist in our mind when we read this text. And it's almost too hard to take in. It seems a little crazy. I mean, it's a weird text. Evil spirits, unclean spirits, forces of darkness, demons. We, we think that these are the characters that come from the imaginations of authors and filmmakers. We leave this kind of stuff to them. And, and the reason we do that is because we're sophisticated people, smart, educated. It's foolish for us to think in this modern day and time to believe in evil spirits or unclean spirits or demons. These disembodied creatures that run amok wreaking havoc all over the planet, just creating chaos. We're liberated, progressive, scientific, rational. There's no devil talk for us. But before we get too high on our horrors, let's just think for a second. Maybe our arrogance and pride about the spiritual world is, is the foundation of a problem. Maybe it's trouble for us because it's clear that Jesus sees what we cannot or, or maybe that we refuse to, that we won't. Unlike Matthew who introduces us to Jesus the preacher and Luke who introduces us to Jesus, the guy that got his hometown excited, or John who who introduces us to Jesus, the one who mysteriously can turn water into wine, Mark introduces us to Jesus, the exorcist. And as the exorcist, Jesus can see that we are engaged in a battle of good and evil, a battle that wages war on the cosmos, on our world, and on our souls, which makes this a strange story because we modern-day intellectuals are too sophisticated to think about evil spirits. But could that attitude be what keeps us from expecting anything from a holy divine being that is good and that might just want to work on our behalf in a radical way? Just, just when we're not looking, just when we've uh, nearly fallen asleep on the Sabbath, there in the middle of worship, that's when we're surprised. We're shaken awake in amazement, speechless, just like the people in this text. A true encounter with the Holy One, with Jesus, reveals the evil spirits around us and within us. We imagine evil spirits as being this, these disembodied beings. A devil with horns and a pitchfork comes to, to our minds and maybe sits on our shoulders. 
But look around for a moment. Evil is not something that is disembodied. Evil finds a body where it can make a home and carry out its will. In the Big Bang Theory clip, evil made its home in Leonard's mother, Beverly, who objectified her son for her scientific research. He was nothing but her lab rat. And because of this, evil then made its home in Leonard as well, whose expectations were crushed along with his feelings. Evil looks like resentment, anger, fury, rage, and disappointment, and it makes its place in us. It also looks like impatience, worry, hostility, selfishness, debauchery, lies, addiction, hunger, bad memories, regret, discouragement, poverty, racism, self-hatred, self-harm, greed, arrogance, codependency, lack of self-control, selfish ambition, and closed-mindedness. These things are spirits that make their home in us. Now, we, we want to call the events of this passage medieval superstition, but always there is more than we realize, and, and we should check our arrogance at the door. The psychologist Scott Peck said in his book, People of the Lie, that a small but significant number of his clients had bought so deeply into unreality that they that they appeared to be taken over by dark forces beyond themselves. Because of this, that's, that's when the real trouble arrives, both in this text and in our own lives. Evil causes our perspective to be jaded, and, and we begin to see good and evil in certain kinds of ways. People like us become good, and people like them become evil. On The Daily Show, Trevor Noah's on-site reporter interviewed evangelical Christians as they were at a Republican rally prior to the election. When they were asked about the commandment about loving your neighbor, one woman said, well, you don't want to have someone living next door to you who's going to sneak sneak over and kill you in your sleep. And when the interviewer asked, who's that? She said, uh, Muslims. If we're not careful... We begin to see good and evil in a certain kind of way where we become angels and whoever they are become demons. And that's the problem. That's when the trouble comes on the scene in this text full steam ahead. Anyone who is unlike us becomes a threat to us. And because evil seems to keep us at arm's length from self-awareness or taking some personal inventory, we collect our own, those who belong to us, and we demonize the other. This gets the world moving in a spinning spiral of despair and isolation, brokenness. In a phrase, it's an evil spirit. But in every good story, there's a moment of crisis that paves the way to something new and hope-filled even if it is difficult. And that moment is here, in the middle of this story that Mark tells, when events change and people are given the opportunity to change along with them. And in this text, the encounter leaves the people, all of them, stunned. In fact, they say, what is this? A new teaching? In every good story, we learn something new and we get the help we need when we come out of the trouble. So listen to me. An encounter with the Holy One reveals evil for what it is, not what we think it is. 
And the battle between good and evil begins there. And that battle begins first in us. The evil spirit in the man yells out, what do you want with us? Now that's weird to me. Us, the word us. Mark says there's an evil spirit. It makes it singular. But there's talk about us. Who's us? Us is the, colleague, uh, us is the cocky college student that, that thinks he knows everything. Us is the recent graduate looking for a job. Us is the insecure interviewer. Us is the new dad holding out cigars. Us is the coach, the teacher, the professor. Us is the little leaguer at his first game. Us is the pharmacist at the local drugstore. Us is the lodge member and the sleeping baby in the third row or the teenager on his first date. These are all parts of us that have gotten very good at hiding under the skin we're in. And for this man, all of the painful parts, the parts refusing to be revealed, the memories and the pain and the heartache, they all cry out together. And Jesus, there in the middle of worship, calls the evil out from the man, and the battle begins. Violently, the possessed one is shaken. It holds on to him, kicking and screaming. It won't let go. And it says to me something that's interesting. We won't let the evil go either. We hold on to it, kicking and screaming. We try to cover it with our pride or our arrogance. Those, those, that evil spirit speaks words for us. I, I can handle it. It's not that bad. I can quit anytime I want. Well, she does it too. If anyone would know about this, I would just die. But you have no idea what he did to me. I, I don't need accountability. Or what will everyone else think? But nevertheless, in the text, the encounter with the Holy One has happened. And Jesus is here and we are offered a way out from under the weight and control of the evil inside. And this encounter we never expected, an encounter with the Almighty, the Holy One, with God, it shakes us and it forces us into a battle, a battle of wills and a battle of self that we have, would have never expected. We might as well put a sign out in front of the church that says, welcome to worship, time to face your demons. Well, I want to ask you a question. What are the evil spirits that take residence in you? What words do they, do they give you so that you don't have to face them? Take a few minutes, think about it. Might be a little bit hard to write in the chat, but we invite you to do so, and we invite you to talk about it with the people that you're with. And we'll be back to discuss it in just a few moments.
So what do we do when, when we face our demons? What's, what's the answer? Well, the answer is this. We let go. Anger, hostility, arrogance, indifference, pride, resentment, unforgiveness. What we do is we let the evil spirits inside us speak, Holy One, why are you picking this fight? Have you come to destroy us? Have you come to battle us for the soul of this child? Letting go frees us, and it puts us on the road to healing. You know, every day we hear, Pastor Hope told us this, this is not just for our children, but every day all of us hear, you are not enough. You are not smart enough, successful enough, worthy of love. You are not strong enough, pretty enough, tough enough, or courageous enough. And this is what Leonard heard from his mother. You are not enough. These are the messages of evil. But when we come to worship, we very literally with our ears, as the words come from our pastor who speaks on behalf of God, we get to hear, you, my friend, are God's beloved. Evil has no grip on you. Your sins are gone. They are absolved. They are thrown as far away from you as the east is from the west. You are not the sum of your mistakes. You are more than the worst thing you've ever done. You are and always have been enough. And you hold the power to overcome evil. It is within your own heart. That's sometimes sometimes a hard thing to hear. That's why there are tears when we hear it. But in any good story, if we make it through the trouble, we learn something new and we get help. The demon, the evil spirit, leaves the man with a shriek. And that can be scary. But then again, think about it. That's all there is to it. There's no more power that evil has over us. No more harm comes to the man anymore. And those evil spirits can do no more harm to us either. In fact, we're free. Honey, can I have a moment alone? Yep, bye. Have you calmed down? No, I'm not calm. You really hurt me. That wasn't my intention. It doesn't matter what you intended. What matters is the way you made me feel. Actually, the way you've always made me feel. I see. So you're here to tell me all the ways that I failed you as a mother. Yeah. And get comfortable, because it's a long list. Is it happening soon? (laughs) You know what? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You're never going to change. If I want you to accept me for me, then I guess I'm going to have to accept you for you. So I forgive you. I didn't ask you to forgive me. Too bad. I forgive you anyway. And I forgive myself for taking so long to do it. Oh, my God, that feels so good. I must admit it. It does feel good. What does? You forgiving me. It means a lot. Thank you.
Leonard was set free. And it happened in less than 30 seconds. He said, if I want you to accept me for me, then I guess I'm going to have to accept you for you. So, I forgive you. And I forgive myself for taking so long to do it. And the demon was cast out. It was like he said, I'm letting go. I'm not going to be a slave to the Spirit anymore. And when we do that, we learn something new. We get the help that we need, and our world changes. And what no one realizes is that letting go is such a powerful thing that it sets, that that him letting go sets Leonard's mother free as well, even though she was never expecting it, even though she never asked for it. He could no longer demonize her. It, It came out of nowhere, and they were placed together on a path of healing. It's no wonder people in the text were amazed. They were awestruck. What is this anyway, they said. Something new has happened in me. I wasn't expecting this. Well, dark forces wreak havoc on us. They destroy us. They terrorize our relationships. They mangle our identity. And these evil spirits seem to take over people, movements, and sometimes whole countries a force, as it sometimes seems, uh, as it sometimes seems, or or a set of dark forces even seem to make people do things that they would not normally do. But a newness has begun, first in this man in the Gospel of Mark, and then in us, freeing us and setting us on the road to healing. And what the Holy One does in us is the evidence that Jesus has the authority over all of the forces of evil that seem to bring havoc on a global scale. Now, you may have noticed that the evil spirit here in Mark 1 is not destroyed. That is because at the end of Mark, there will be one more battle. It is an epic cosmic battle which clamors clamors for the very soul of creation itself. At the end of Mark's story, the enemy will go and collect all of the forces of evil in mass and close in on the Holy One himself, and they will do their worst in an epic cosmic battle of good and evil. Now, this is not a military battle against Rome or Herod or the chief priest. This is not a freedom fight by the zealots and the pious Jews who are sick of oppressive pagans in their rule. This is, not a, this is not a battle against corrupt leaders, but it is an event where Jesus says to all evil powers, your moment has come. Do your worst. And the battle climaxes on the cross. And when the worst is thrown at him and all evil is cast upon him, he yields to it. Revealing this evil, anger, racism, prejudice, hostility, all the lies, he reveals the evil for exactly what it is. And by yielding to it, he disempowers it and handcuffs it so it no longer has the capacity to harm anymore. And that is when our world changed. In that battle, the Holy One establishes God's sovereign reign and saving rule by way of his suffering and death for the salvation of not just the guy in this text, not just for you or me, not just for the angels or those we've demonized, but for the entire world. And that is something for us to be in awe about. Sometimes every one of us feels 
never be healed sometimes Sometimes Every one of us aches Like we'll never be saved sometimes And when we've given up Let your healing come When there's nothing left Let your healing come Till we're rising up Let your healing come Where you go we will follow Where you go we will follow It's your love that we adore It's like a sea without a shore We're lost in you We're lost in you your love that we adore it's like a sea without a shore we're lost in you we're lost in you sometimes sometimes it's like we'll never atone for all the love we've known sometimes a smile or a song when you feel it come and that feeling's gone it lies so when we've given up let your healing come when there's nothing left let your healing come till we're rising up let your healing
like a sea without a shore. We're lost in you. We're lost in you. It's your love that we adore. It's like a sea without a shore. We're lost in you. We're lost in you. So, expectations, hopefulness. I heard something really good today. And I'm pretty sure that if we heard the same thing, you did too. Our request now is what are we going to do with this goodness we have heard? And I want to invite you to continue this reflection in our weekly practice We're inviting you to a practice of naming what we carry, this evil that has found its home in us, the unclean spirits that we've picked up along the way and that we have gotten used to carrying around with us. You might be accustomed to calling this practice confession, (laughs) which it is. It's the gateway to freedom and the pathway to healing. And so... I invite you into this good practice this week. You'll find uh, an email about this in your inbox tomorrow and also information on social media about how you can take this practice on and live into the freedom and the joy and the identity that Jesus has for you. I also want to invite you into another practice before we go, and that is the practice of giving, of generosity. We do this every single week in worship. We give of our resources through tithes and offerings, but lately we've also been inviting you to give in other ways. The last couple of weeks, well months really, we've been inviting you to give winter wear so that we can help supply cold winter uh, clothing for our neighbors in need. And I wanted to show you this picture of Roland who came by earlier this week to receive some food and this warm jacket that he fell in love with. He, He just thought it was the best thing. And he wanted me to pass along his thanks to you, our congregation. I also want to let you know that over the last two weeks, we've been uh, receiving supplies of snacks for our friends at Freedom City. And here's a snapshot of their snack closet now, uh, back stocked full of snacks, but they'll go through it pretty quickly with the number of kids they feed on a daily basis. So if you have more that you want to bring in, we'll continue collecting that for them and get it to them as often as we can. Thank you for being good neighbors and practicing these ways of generosity. Now, I want to invite you to hear these final words of benediction. And earlier we heard Pastor Hope remind us of the story of Disney's Moana, which has some profound theological truths to share with us. And I want you to imagine hearing these words that Moana sings actually as words from the Holy One to you. Can you hear Jesus say, I have crossed the horizons to find you. I know your name. And though they have stolen the heart from inside of you, 
this does not define you. This is not who you are. I know who you are, and you know who you are. Friends, may you know this truth deep within you. May it fill you with joy and love and light so that you may also share this light wherever you go. Amen. This little light of mine I'm gonna let it shine This little light of mine I'm gonna let it shine This little light of mine I'm gonna let it shine Let it shine